0: Good morning. How's everybody this morning? I uh, want to thank you for praying for me while I'm gone on these motorcycle trips. You know, they ask a pilot one time, what's a good landing? He said, any of them you walk away from. Well, any motorcycle trip that we walk away from and have all our parts intact, we consider it a success. So it was successful. I uh, I used to be concerned about just leaving, and for a while I would just leave and not tell anybody and just kind of let you work it out. I, several times one of the guys on the trip asked me, well, who takes over while you're gone? And I said, I have no idea. What are they going to do? They'll figure it out. And after last week, I think you want me to be gone more. Um, We're going to turn to John chapter 14 in just a couple of minutes. We have been, came out of Galatians. In the latter part of Galatians, he says, It's for freedom that Christ set us free. And basically he's saying, God set you free, now walk in that freedom. And the context is freedom from the law, freedom from the list, freedom from the rules, freedom from the guidelines. In that chapter, in chapter four and chapter five, he references the Holy Spirit as if to say, uh, well, how do I live now? And he's talking about living in relationship to the Holy Spirit, living in relationship with Him. Instead of having a rule book, you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Instead of having a list of things that you're obligated to do, we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so from there, we begin to talk about what, what does that look like? What does the Holy Spirit look like when He's working to free us, to keep us free? What does our life look like? whenever we're in this relationship with the Holy Spirit, and his objective is to keep us free, to walk in freedom, surrendered to him. And we talked, the first thing we talked about was the Holy Spirit said, Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll come as a comforter. He'll come as someone who'll come beside you and walk through things, a helper. And uh, so we talked about how the Holy, finding comfort in the Holy Spirit. And all the places that we typically run to to get comfort and how that so often those are just traps. They're uh, deceptive because they offer comfort and in the end we have more bondage. And so it's just superficial. It's really a trick. And so this morning I want to talk about one other aspect that that the Holy Spirit will do as we walk in relationship with him. And this is John chapter 14. Verse 25 and verse 26. Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all that I said to you. He will teach you all things. He says, the Holy Spirit is going to be, previously he said, I'm going to send you another comforter. Inferring that you have a comforter now, that's me, he says. And I'm going to send you another one who is exactly like me. That word another means exactly like the one you have. And so I'm going to be absent physically, but there will be another comforter here. Jesus has been their teacher all through these three years, two and a half, three years, whatever it was, he was with them. He was their teacher, and he's segueing out of that. And here he's saying the Holy Spirit will come, and he will be your teacher. And I think it's safe to assume that he's going to be the same kind of teacher that they already had. He's not going to be a different kind of teacher. He's going to be a teacher just like the teacher... That they've had. Now, what does that look like, for the Holy Spirit to be our teacher? I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody really talk about the Holy Spirit being our teacher. Now, it, when we do that, we go to the other ditch. You know, there's always a ditch to be found. And we say, well, the Holy Spirit is my teacher. I'm not going to listen to anybody else. What the problem with that is, is that the Holy Spirit also gives the gift of teaching. And he does that in individuals. So it's not either or. It's even whenever I am under someone that's teaching, I'm recognizing that it's the Holy Spirit that will be teaching me. Okay? Does that make sense? So it's not just dump one and embrace the other. Now, that concept of teaching, the way that the Holy Spirit teaches is extremely distinctive from the way. Our culture understands teaching, all right? Now, let me show you what I'm talking about here. Our typical understanding of teaching is this. Someone is the teacher. Let's say Michael's the teacher, all right? And Michael is authority, whatever you want to call him, whether it's a teacher in school, whether it's a teacher in church, or whether it's a teacher at work. It's someone, and he's represented as He has all of this information in his head. And he wants to teach me the information that he has in his head. And so here's kind of the way the process goes. He's got the information there. He gives it to me by imparting it, by teaching it, by speaking it, by saying it. He gives it to me, and then I receive it. I say, yes, that's the information I'm looking for, all right? But there's got to be a test. I mean you got tests in school, you got tests in work, everywhere you they teach you, there's a test to see if you're getting the information that they're imparting. So he's got all the information, he gives it to me, I receive it, then I take it and I from my head I give it back to him. And when he looks at it and says, yeah, that's what I said, learning has been accomplished. Is that pretty accurate? I mean, all you, when we're in school, I mean, if it hadn't been for basketball, I'd never made it through school. Because it wasn't just tests that bothered me, it was the whole thing. But they give you tests, and that's what they want to know. The teacher stands up there. She has this information. She gives it out to you. You're expected to receive that information because there's going to be a test. And the test will be, can you give her back what you said to her? And when you can give back to her what you said, learning has occurred. Now, it didn't matter that you cheated. I mean, they didn't like it. It didn't matter that you agreed with it. It didn't matter that you thought it was accurate. All that mattered, I've talked to different men who've been into some Bible schools, and they would have lessons in Bible school that they didn't agree with anything about what the guy was teaching. And I'd say, it don't matter. They're not asking you what you believe. They're asking you, do you accept what they say? So whenever the test comes, give them what they want. Give them the answers that they want, and you pass the test. That's how Western teaching and learning takes place. Information extended, received, and returned and accepted, learning has taken place. Nothing could be further from how the Holy Spirit teaches. Because we've been saturated with that concept, many of us are intimidated when it comes to to learning the things of God. We didn't do good in that arena. We didn't do good in that concept of taking information, giving it back, and, and you know, and all that process. We just didn't do good at that at all. So when you talk about learning about the things of God, when you thought being taught about the things of God, we kind of have this firewall up and i'm not good at that i i'm not very smart i'm not and, and we we well i read the bible but i didn't get anything out of it i didn't understand it much of that comes because we approach it with this western concept of it's information that matters and because we've embraced that in christianity we have a great deal of information about jesus but very little translates into a changed life. Very little of it translates into a changed behavior. It's just simply we know by rote what we're supposed to know. And in certain circles, if you can spout espouse what you are supposed to know, you're considered to be mature. You may be mean as a snake, but you know all the right words to say. You know all the right things to say. You know all the things that you're supposed to believe. But the Holy Spirit does not teach that way. The Holy Spirit's teaching is not the deliverance of information. That's not how he teaches. He doesn't teach by giving out information. The Holy Spirit teaches by an impartation of revelation now if you wonder what that means it simply means this the holy spirit teaches by turning on the lights okay turning on the lights i mean you might he just comes in he just drops light bam and all of a sudden oh now i see what that is and that's why it's so important for us to set aside the hindrances that we've placed on ourselves to say, I can't learn, I can't read, I can't concentrate. None of that matters when it comes to being taught by the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit comes and turns on the light, that changes lives. Because now we've gotten it from him. All of this is pictured in the life of Jesus. Let's let's look at that for a minute. Look with me in John chapter 1. Turn back over here. I tell you, I love this chapter. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Does that sound familiar? I mean, it kind of starts off like Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, And the earth was formless and void. And what was over the face of the earth? Darkness. Darkness was over the face of the earth. All right? And God said, "Let." come on, you know it. Let there be light. Hey, there you go. He didn't come with information. He came with light. And things changed. Now look what he says here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Which beginning? It don't matter. Jesus was there. Okay? Pick a beginning. Jesus was already there with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being That has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Know this. Remember this. Light, life was the light of men. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. When the lights come on, life comes with it. Not just knowledge, but life. That's why when the Holy Spirit teaches us something, when he turns on the life, life is accompanied with it. And changes take place in our life. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. Where was the darkness? Right here. Darkness was here. The darkness was already here. In Genesis 1, it was physical darkness. In John 1, it's spiritual darkness. They didn't have the life of God. They didn't see the light of God. But the light came, and when the light came, life came. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness did not comprehend it. That word means overpower it. The darkness couldn't win. How much light does it take to dispel darkness? Not a lot. In fact, that's a natural proclivity of the eye. It is drawn to light. You take a picture. If you notice this, next time you go look at a picture, your eyes will automatically be drawn to the lightest part of that picture. That's true in photography. It's true in painting. Your your light is already drawn to the light. How much light does it take to dispel darkness? It doesn't take much. But light came to dispel the darkness, and the darkness wasn't strong enough to overcome it. And he says, there was a man sent from God, whose name was John, he came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. That's Jesus. Jesus came as the light In the spiritual darkness. And because he came as light, he imparted life of God in that context. That's how the Holy Spirit teaches. He turns lights on. Let me show you some other verses here. I've got several of them that I want you to look at. Uh, What did I do with them? Okay, look in uh, Galatians chapter 1. 11. i like to read it out of the real Bible, okay? Galatians chapter 1, he says, verse 11, For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. I neither received it from men, nor was I taught it from men. Paul's saying, what I got as, as the gospel, I didn't get it from men. I didn't get it from information. I didn't get it from simply a transference of information. I got it somewhere else. I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. A, that, a, a, the word revelation, can, we can also translate it, the lights came on. I was in darkness, and I was pursuing not only Jesus to destroy it but anybody that believed in him i was out to destroy him i was in darkness but in the middle of that darkness the lights came on who did that the holy spirit did that turned the lights on and that's how he received the revelation what he got it was a revelation of jesus through a revelation of jesus christ Look with me in Ephesians chapter 1. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, and he says in verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. What's he saying? I pray the lights come on. He's teaching us about what he, the revelation he received from Jesus. And he knows that the impartation of information is not how the Holy Spirit does it. So he says, I'm praying that lights will come on. Anybody that's worth their weight and salt that wants to see the body of Christ grow has that prayer embedded in their soul. They know there's not a thing they can say on their own that's going to mature the body of Christ. They know there's not a thing that they can come up with, a sermon that they can come up with, a homily that they can come up with. There's nothing they can come up with that's going to bring about a change in the body of Christ. If he's honest and if he's hungry for God, his prayer will be that the lights will come on in the body of Christ and that they will see through the Holy Spirit what God's trying to say to them. I pray that the eyes of your heart May be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand. In the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in the age to come, but also one to come. Is, it, is Easter next week? Okay. Next weekend, churches all over the world are going get to get together and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Whoopee! That's an awesome thing. But for many of us, it will be no more than an historical event that lasted, that happened 2,000 years ago. We know the facts. We know the information. And we will miss the enlightenment from the Holy Spirit that lets us know what that death, burial, and resurrection did to us, the change that it made in our life, the difference that him rising from the grave meant in us not just historically, but realistically in our life. The Holy Spirit is the one that makes that real. He's the one that turns those lights on that we might know what is the hope of our calling, what is the riches of the glory, the surpassing greatness of power toward us who believe. That's what the Holy Spirit teaches. He teaches the reality of those facts in our heart. He turns the lights on. And for many of us, those have been coming on the last few years. All the things, a lot of the things that we've been taught about the resurrection, about the death, about the burial, about all of those things, we knew that information didn't make much difference in our life. But at some point along the way, the Holy Spirit turned the lights on. And it was like, whoa, man, I'm just learning this for the first time. This is new. We've done that with Scripture. We read through Scripture. Well, yeah, we've read that so many times. I, listen, I did the same thing with Galatians. When we started with Galatians, listen, let me back up. The biggest problem with receiving revelation and having the lights come on from the Holy Spirit is all those things we think we already know. Okay? So here the Lord's prompting me to teach Galatians. I'm going, I don't want to teach Galatians. I know what Galatians says. You know, I mean, I, I, I know what it's all about and and but I did and lights came on. And what I thought would be one Sunday has been how long? Sorry. <laughs> the light keeps coming. Okay? So the biggest hindrance we have to receiving revelation from the Holy Spirit from letting the lights come on is we think I know. Yeah, I know. I, I know that verse. I know what that says. I I, I know. And that means that the interpretation of that verse or the interpretation of that experience is defined by what we've got in here. And I want to tell you something. You might be smart, but you're finite. You don't know it all. But the Holy Spirit comes and teaches us, turns lights on about those things and reveals them to us. Uh, Another verse in Ephesians chapter 3. Verses 1, <clears throat> for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner, is that right? Yeah, Ephesians 3. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the ministry. How did I know this ministry of grace that I'm teaching you, the lights came on. I was the Jew of Jews. I was committed to the law. I was committed to all of the rules, and the lights came on, and it changed my life. That by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. All we had before was information that the Holy Spirit comes and turns the lights on to the reality of it. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, of which I was made a minister according to the great gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light... What is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things? What is this mystery? So that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made through the church to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Paul says, I didn't didn't get this stuff on my own. When I am out in the wilderness, I didn't, you know, take a bunch of uh, reference books and study guides and come up with this thing on my own. Because, first of all, this is totally contrary to anything I've ever believed. That salvation comes through Christ and not through keeping the law? Are you kidding me? What changed that? The lights came on. And now he is espousing this mystery of God, which is Christ, God in Christ, and Christ in us, which is the church. Uh, look at uh, first, Second Timothy chapter one. Your homework is these verses, okay? So you need to pay attention. All right. Second Timothy chapter one verse eight. Paul says. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted to us in Christ Jesus from all eternity." but now has been revealed by the appearance of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Man, he says, look look what we see now that came through Jesus. The lights came on, and immortality came through him, and life came through him. The abolishment of death came through him. And all of that's real and relevant. It's not just a historical fact that took place back there. Uh, Where'd I go? For which reason I was born a preacher and apostle and teacher. Okay, look in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Okay. Do you get the drift here? The Holy Spirit does it by turning on lights in our heart. First Corinthians chapter two, beginning in verse uh, six. Yet we speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are passing away. And might I add, who are in darkness. Okay, still in darkness. I'm not speaking wisdom from darkness, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom of God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Had the lights come on for these guys, they wouldn't have done what they did. They were living in darkness. But just as it is written, Things which I has not seen and hear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man in the natural. In the darkness, all of these things exist. How do we think? We think with our brain. We think with our heart. The things of God aren't found there, he says. All that God has prepared for those who love them. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit but turn the lights on for us that we can see the things of God for the spirit searches all things even the depths of God for who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him even so the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God your ear will not your physical ear will not reveal to you the thoughts of God Your eye will not reveal to you the thoughts of God. Your heart will not reveal to you the thoughts of God. The only one who reveals to us the thoughts of God are the one who knows the thoughts of God, and that's the Holy Spirit, and he turns the lights on. And here's the thing about it. It's so cool, it doesn't require an explanation, it's not like the Holy Spirit says, let me explain this to you. He just thunk, drops it in our heart, and it's like, whoa, now I see. He doesn't have to spell it all out and explain it all to us. He just turns on the lights, and what we didn't know before becomes reality now. That's how the Holy Spirit teaches. For who among me uh, we have now? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. How will we know this stuff that God has in a mystery for us? How will we know that? Because the Spirit of God teaches us and will turn the lights on and reveal it to us. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man, a man that's confined to what he can see, what he can hear, what he can taste, what he can smell, what he can touch, what he can feel, that man who is confined to that realm does not accept the things of the Spirit of God because they fly in the face of all of that stuff. For they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Where do we have the mind of Christ? Right here. Right here. I can think the thoughts of God when the Holy Spirit turns the lights on. I won't come to it by reason. I won't come to it by figuring and drawing conclusions. That's how I got religion. I looked at this stuff and I drew conclusions about it. And I didn't wait on the Spirit of God to reveal to me the reality behind it. I have the mind of Christ. That mind of Christ is the Spirit of God who has come to teach me all the things that God wants me to know. Now, look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. That ain't it. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I don't know where that verse came from. That was my mind. Say that wasn't the spirit of God. All right, now look back with me in Ephesians. I'll find that one there in Ephesians. Okay, back in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. I don't know what I wrote down there. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. So this I say, and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk. Why don't he, doesn't he want us to walk like the Gentiles walk? They're in darkness. Good answer. They're in darkness. Just like you were in darkness. Don't walk like they walk. Don't walk like you used to walk. Don't walk in darkness. And he says, I affirm together that, that you no longer walk just as the Gentiles also walk Look at this, in the futility of their mind. Oh, our mind goes, I don't don't think that's right. I don't understand it. That doesn't make sense to me. That I don't believe that stuff. That's not what I concluded. That's not the thing I believe. All in my mind. The futility. He says walking in your mind is futile when it comes to knowing the things of God being darkened, there's that word again, in their understanding. And since life is in light, they were excluded from the life of God. Being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God, because the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. Now, when Scripture talks about ignorance, we need to look at that. When Scripture talks about ignorance, it doesn't mean stupid. It doesn't mean dumb. It doesn't mean can't comprehend. It means you won't comprehend. It's been presented and you said, no, I like darkness better than light. It's never because you don't have the intellectual capacity to do it. It always has to do with a choice of the heart, a choice of a decision in a decision being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they had become callous, having them given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But look here. You did not learn Christ in this way. Now, that's a very significant phrase there. The objective of the Holy Spirit's teaching is that I might learn Christ. That's what Paul said. There was a revelation of Christ. The lights came on about who Jesus was. That's the Holy Spirit's objective, is that the lights come on with us about who Jesus was. Not learn about him, but learn him. Here it's used, the word learn is used with a direct object. That direct object is a person, not a doctrine about a person. Okay? Without precedent. This phrase is without precedent in the Greek language. It's not used anywhere else. Because he's talking about learning a person. He's not talking about learning information about a person. And he says here in verse uh, 20, you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have, what? Heard about him? No. Heard him. Heard him. When the Holy Spirit turns on the lights, that's the voice of God. That's the thoughts of God. That's what God is saying at that given moment. And he says... If you have heard him, you will not walk like the Gentiles in darkness like you were. You did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, not about him, in him, just as truth is in Jesus. That in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, he's not just saying this is different from renewing your mind. This is renewed in the spirit of your mind. This this doesn't mean to just think different stuff. I mean, how many scriptures have we memorized and our life has been no different except we're more religious? He's talking about renewed in the spirit of your mind in the way your mind works. Part of that being is anything you receive, it's tested by the Spirit to determine if that's God or if it's just a good idea. Otherwise, I just accept it. Well, I thought it must be good. I'd never believe a lie. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the way you function. Be renewed in the way you perceive things. Be renewed in the way you see life. And put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. The objective of the Holy Spirit's teaching is to teach us that I might might learn Christ. His teaching is experiential, not not, not intellectual. It's revelation, not information. Now, I'm going to close with this. How, I got more stuff here. Well, I'm going to give you the first one. Oh, here it is. How do I experience the Holy Spirit teaching me? Okay, listen. How do I learn? To let the Holy Spirit teach me. Here's the first thing: show up for class. Show up for class. I skipped school one time. Had a friend come pick me up. He was driving. Can't pick me up in his car. We took off. All right, Port and H's was out away from Groves, and we took. I, I have no. I can't remember where we were going. I just know we wasn't going to school. Pulled up to a stop sign. My mother pulls up at this stop sign. You know where she's going? She's going to the school. Caught. Needless to say, I didn't receive any information that day from school. I didn't. If it had been up to me, I'd have missed all classes. If you want to be taught by the Holy Spirit, show up for class. Engage Him. Pay attention. Be present. Let me ask you this. Where was Jesus' classroom? It was life. Life was Jesus' classroom. And you know how he taught? He took everything in the natural. So let me show you what God says behind that. He he wasn't giving agriculture lessons about the fields are wide to harvest. Well, these guys knew that. He wasn't giving them, you know, science lessons. He was saying, here's the natural. I want to give you God's perspective behind that. And he did it as they lived life. How is the Holy Spirit going to teach us? He wants to teach us day in, day out, moment by moment, if we go to class. And by that I mean when we walk into a situation and we get up, what do you want to show me today, Holy Spirit? What do you want to teach me today? What do you want to reveal to me? Be present. Be aware of his presence. Show up for class. You know why? Because that's where he's at. He's here. And he wants to teach us, wants to turn on the lights. Run all else by him before you accept it. Every decision, every choice. Run it by him. Now, you don't have to call to Let me pray. You know, you don't have to do that. He lives here. Just ask him, Lord, what are you you saying about this? How should I respond to this? What do you want to teach me about this? Run it by him. Don't just assume you know the right thing to do. Uh, Don't settle for information. Don't just settle for knowing the facts. Ask the Holy Spirit what he wants to show you about that situation. I remember telling you a few years ago that this Christian walk had lost its wonder for me. I I never consciously at any point said, I've got this figured out. I just acted like I had it figured out. And when I finally went to the Lord and said, Lord, I don't know anything. Until you show me, until you tell me, the wonder was restored. The awesomeness was restored, because he could speak, riding a motorcycle, going down the road. We could fellowship. He could show me things, tell me things. He could do it anywhere, everywhere, and the excitement restored. That that intimacy was restored. That wonder was restored. And, man, he can show up anywhere and tell you anything. He could be at a basketball game. Run it by him. He wants to teach us the things of God. Don't just settle for information. Oh, I don't know where I was going to show you now. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Yeah, I'll get it here in a minute. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I want to show you what he says here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he uses a word here that's very interesting. First chapter, He says, now, as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves, and this word right here, taught by God, the Greek literally means you have been God-taught to love one another. How are you going to learn to love one another? God's going to have to teach you. He wants to teach you. But it's going to run right head on into what we think love is. See? And what we define love to be. And what we're willing to do to express love. These guys were taught by God how to love one another. It wasn't just a worldly love. It wasn't just man's explanation of love. But they had been taught by the Spirit of God. How to love each other. Boy, wouldn't that be awesome? Being a body that the Holy Spirit's teaching us how to love. I'll tell you something. You've come a long way. You've come a long way. When we first, and no, I'm not going to get into that. Never mind. It didn't, 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 didn't affect, affect me none. Okay? All right. Any questions? What do you hear? Michael.
1: I always I always wait and then I don't get a chance to share. <laughs> um, so uh, Yolanda DeVeller she's really super super organized, and she she can take <clears> over <throat> something and organize it, and then it's so organized that for one it like inspires you to keep it that way, but two you're like man she worked hard on this I better not mess it up, um, and so she Yolanda's taken over this. Uh, Room with the double doors over here. I mean, that's all one room, but there's a section behind those double doors um, that has a whole bunch of stuff in there that we need up here. Microphone cables, instrument cables, all kinds of stuff. Earbuds, everything. It's all back there. It's extremely organized. It looks kind of like a store if you go back in there. There's like pegboard, and it looks like you're inside of a store. So I know that if I need a microphone cable, I need to go back in that room because that's where the microphone cables are. Now, when I was in music school years and years ago, I had this teacher, Dr. Germany, and he was, I was doing private lessons with him, classical voice lessons, and he would say, I don't want you to learn these songs by rote. If there was a song in Italian, he would have me go and find the translation, or he would give it to me for the song, And then I would draw the song in pictures, because that helped me to actually memorize the words, and to memorize their meaning, and to know what the song meant. And to this day, this was 20, I don't know, 24, 25 years ago, um, there was one song that I sang from an opera called, called Pagliacci, which means clowns, and I remember every single word of that song. And... If you know me, I don't memorize songs well at all. That's why I have that little tablet up there and I switch the pages with my feet. Um, there's a thing on the floor that I can switch the pages and because I don't memorize songs. I, it's really, really difficult for me. Songs that I wrote, I don't have memorized. Um, So that word, wrote, R-O-T-E, it's like I know the the, the alphabet by rote, right? I just learned that... A, B, C, D, and to, to Z. But when, when we're teaching kids the alphabet, then we go A is for apple, B is for bird, C is for cat, and so on. That's going beyond rote learning. That's giving meaning to the letters. And it's, it's not just an order, but there's meaning behind it. So by rote, I know that if I need a microphone cable or a new set of earbuds... I walk into that room. If I don't turn the lights on, I'm not going to find a microphone cable <laughs> or a set of earbuds. Regardless of the organization, regardless of my rote knowledge that the microphone cables are found therein, I have to turn the lights on to find a microphone cable. That's
0: good. That's good. Did you get back to seat?
2: As you were talking about the light, it reminded me... I have a good friend that is an astronomer. And he takes some of the most fantastic photographs you've ever seen of light that may be 50 billion light years away. Maybe 50 million. Anyway, a long, long way. And it occurred to me as you were talking that light can never be put out. It's there. No matter how far that light keeps coming, on the brightest, sunniest day, that light's still there. And it just hit me that that's the kind of light that he gives us, a light that no matter how far you can go, he'll deliver it.
0: More light. All right, anyone else? Okay, your homework is take those verses and ask the Holy Spirit to turn the lights on as you read them. I mean, you know, you've, you've done that before. You've been reading along the Bible, and you're kind of like, all of a sudden something just jumps out. He quickens that to your heart. That's lights coming on. I'll just ask him to turn on the lights in that. All right, anyone else?